Welcome to Critical Value, the podcast from the Urban Institute that explores issues of significance for research, policy, and people. I'm your host, Justin Milner. It's the start of a new year, and many of us have spent the last few weeks thinking about resolutions. Hit the gym, pick up chess, jump into a new hobby, and maybe even start thinking about saving goals for retirement. That's the topic of this episode. When you think about your career, how long do you think you'll keep working? Do you see yourself plugging away until you're 65, 68, 70, or maybe even beyond? Well, there's a lot of people out there mulling this question. And as it turns out, there's been a pretty big shift happening in the labor market over the past 25 years. Baby boomers and the economic boom. Older workers are remaining in the workforce longer and contributing more. We're certainly seeing that people are living longer and uh, contributing to the workplace. So we know that uh, people over the age of 50 tell us that they want to continue to work well into their 60s and 70s in some cases. Uh, And what we are seeing now is having at least four generations in the workplace at one time. So more older Americans are staying in the workforce longer than ever. And maybe that's not a surprise given the demographics of the baby boom generation. But what is surprising is what their work experiences look like. The reality is that even as more older people keep on working, there's also been an increase of older workers getting involuntarily pushed out of their jobs and out of the workforce altogether. In today's episode, we're going to look at the various forces at play to explain these different trends and you might come away feeling differently about your own work trajectory. Let's start with Urban Institute senior fellow Rich Johnson. He's an expert on retirement policy and has thought a lot about why older Americans are working longer. So people are, are, are working because they want to work and because they feel they need to work. And I think what's important is that, that now we're seeing that working longer is the way to have a secure retirement. Rich says that, first off, the hallmarks of traditional retirement are becoming less secure. Things like pensions and employer health benefits for retirees are disappearing. Also, government policies have changed to make it more rewarding to work at older ages. For example, if you delay collecting Social Security until after full retirement age, your monthly benefits will increase quite a bit. Peter Gosselin, a contributing reporter at ProPublica who reports on the intersection of age and the workforce, also thinks that as people live longer, they want to keep working. My own take on this is the other reason they're doing it is as they realize they're going to live for a long time, they start saying, okay, so under what conditions am I going to live? We're in a market uh, society. What you are, your real worth as an individual, as a citizen, is what you're enumerated for doing. This makes sense, right? Work can bring value and meaning, not to mention a paycheck to individuals and families. But even as more people want to work longer, there may be some unexpected obstacles. For some people, the retirement that they envision doesn't happen the way they planned it. Rich and Peter followed workers in full-time, full-year jobs from their early 50s until age 65 and beyond. And what they found made headlines. Middle-aged and worried about staying employed... Well, a new analysis of older American workers from ProPublica and the Urban Institute says working after 50 is, in fact, more turbulent than many of us thought. 
For workers over the age of 50, the decision to retire may not be theirs. A new report by ProPublica and the Urban Institute says that more than half of U.S. workers are forced out of their jobs before they are ready to retire, and that can do irreparable harm to their finances and their quality of life. Here's Rich on the findings. What we found is that more than half of them, 56 percent, so experience an involuntary employer-driven job separation. They were either either said that they, they were laid off, business closed, or that the job changed in a way that made it very difficult for them to continue working. So that 56%, that's just people who left their jobs because of reasons having to do with their employer. Beyond that group, other workers in this age range had to retire for different reasons. If we also add things like health problems and family responsibilities and how many people left a job for those reasons, then the number's up to two-thirds. So two-thirds of people experienced these involuntary job separations, and these are also only looking at financially consequential separations. And by that, I mean people who left a job and then were unemployed for at least two years, which is a really long time, or if they did find work, that their earnings were less than half of what they had been earning before the job separation. In his reporting for ProPublica, Peter talked to lots and lots of older workers who have been forced to retire by their employers. He said their stories have a common thread. These people find one way or the other, they're forced out. You know, they're forced out by a straight out layoff. It's not called often a layoff. It's called a reorganization, you know. We put in a new computer system and we're reorganizing work around it and your services are no longer needed. There are a lot of reasons, but you, what happens is you get, you get forced out of the, the, your longtime job. So you might be asking, how can this be? The research shows that more people are working into older age, but also that older workers are getting pushed out of their jobs. So the question is, how can both of these trends be happening at the same time? Rich says that what's really going on is that people are working longer, but they're not hanging on to higher paying jobs. So, so it seems to be a bit of a, a, a conundrum here. You know, how can both things be happening? And, and so I think what's, what's going on here, not that people are, are dropping out of the labor force necessarily earlier, but they're not keeping the, the good jobs they had before. So, you know, it's not the case that, well, you lose this job, then you get, you know, right back onto another good job, um, you tend to find a lot of short-term jobs that just, just aren't as, that don't pay as well. And when an older worker involuntarily leaves their job, even if they bounce back and stay in the labor market, this jolt can have very real long-term financial consequences. They expect it to work a long time. They have this job separation that's unexpected, that's driven by their employer. So, so they, they need to keep working and they, they do go back to work in some capacity, but they're not making nearly as much as they used to. And in the efforts to find that job, it took them uh, a long, long time to then get back on track. And only 10% of them, of those people who experienced one of these job separations, ever earned as much as they did on their pre-separation job. So very few people bounce, only one in 10, ever completely bounce back. One surprising thing is that this kind of involuntary job loss is happening to older workers pretty much across the board. Rich and Peter found there were some differences by gender, by education, and by race and ethnicity, but not as much as you might expect. Yeah, so one of the striking things was just how common this is across the board. Um, we were expecting to find bigger differences by gender and, and particularly by education and, and by race and ethnicity. Um, the differences were pretty small. Um, and and yes, the, you know, less educated people have a slightly higher risk, um, but it's very, it's, it's 
pretty small. All these groups were finding that the the probability of of experiencing this employer driven uh, involuntary job separation is is at least half for all of these different groups. Overall, though, they found this type of job loss among older workers is increasing. So, so there is a lot of evidence, I think, that, that this problem is getting worse. Despite the fact that the population is getting older, that people want to work longer, increasingly people are being pushed into early retirements. Now, one important thing to note here, age discrimination is not legal. The Age Discrimination Employment Act, or ADEA, passed 50 years ago and says that employers can't discriminate on the basis of age when it comes to hiring, promoting, dismissing, and compensating workers. Here's Peter on that law. The ADEA was passed in 67. It was originally going to be part of, age was going to be part of the original 1964 Equal Employment Opportunity Act, the the first of the civil rights bills. And for 25 years, it was read as two peas in a pod. The civil rights, I mean, literally courts would rule, well, it's in the Civil Rights Act, so we'll just assume it's in the Age Discrimination and Employment Act. But a decade ago, a Supreme Court decision made it a lot harder to prove that an employer intended to discriminate against an older worker who was let go. Here's Peter again on the opinion authored by Justice Thomas. He basically enunciated a a proof standard that was the but-for standard. The notion was that if there was any other reason, any addendum reason why an employer laid you off besides age, it's not age discrimination. You, it has to be the, the sole reason. So it's very hard for older workers who have been let go to legally prove that they were the target of age discrimination. But there's another huge barrier that older workers face after they're out of a job, and that's the hiring market. For workers who haven't looked for a job in a long time, the job search process looks quite different than it used to. Peter actually has his own experience going through this. I went from being a journalist to trying government to trying a startup, and I was laid off, and I thought I was going to be out about two months. I mean, I literally thought, no problem. I've got got experience in in the think tank world, in journalism, in, you know, healthcare policy. And, you know, and I initially shot high. I learned pretty fast that I wasn't hearing back um, and started applying like crazy. And it's simply astounding. Essentially, the entire labor market has moved online. And so what you're doing is you're applying online. And like, you just hear nothing and nothing comes back at you. Uh, and I was out months upon months. I, I was out 15 months and, uh, or almost 16 months. And um, it did no good for our household finances. Rich says that employers are often cautious when it comes to hiring older workers. When they're looking to fill a new position, they tend to think these workers are much more expensive to hire and to insure and that they won't end up staying on the job that long. What really happens, though, or the, the problem is that when older workers lose their job, it's a lot harder for them to become reemployed because employers are reluctant to hire them. Uh, what seems to be driving that is there is a sense that older workers are more expensive, that they demand higher salaries. We know that their health care costs are a little bit more expensive than, than for younger people, so that does raise the cost of hiring an older worker. That then when they go through the expense of hiring and training, uh, this older worker, then they're not going to stay that long. That, that, that's a concern. That, well, they're really going to retire in a few years anyway. Why am I going to invest these resources on hiring and training an old guy when I can find this younger person? And then the other concern is that, well, their skills are not really up to date. They're stuck in, they're, they're sort of set in their ways, this old way of doing things. 
But that's where research shows that these employer assumptions are often wrong. Rich says the data doesn't show that hiring older workers leads to more job turnover because of retirement. Okay, so compare these these attitudes toward the facts on the ground. You know, I mean, yes, it is the case that older workers are a little more expensive in terms of health care. It's not a huge difference. It's, you know, 5 7% maybe. That doesn't seem to be such an important driving factor. Um, and then in terms of uh, retention, you know, older people do tend to stay on the jobs a long time once they are hired. So that, you know, the younger people are still kind of shopping around for jobs. They tend to, to, to move pretty frequently from job to job at younger ages. At older ages, that's less common. So what are some potential solutions to this challenge facing our labor market? Rich says there are plenty of different policy solutions to choose from that can help older workers with the job search. Things like funding more programs geared to older job applicants and training for older people in burgeoning fields like technology. Also, expanding the earned income tax credit or supplemental security income for older workers who haven't yet quite reached age 65 could ease the burden as well. So there aren't special safety nets for people in their 50s, for example. Um, They're just relying on the general safety net that everyone else relies on, uh, despite the challenges they have becoming reemployed. And and so, you know, one idea is that we have this supplemental security income, SSI, provides just a bare minimum cash benefit, but it's really only available for people 65 and older or if you have disabilities. But, you know, could we extend that maybe to people who are a little bit younger than 65 to help them make it to, um, to an age where they could collect Social Security. But more broadly, Rich and Peter say the key lies in changing employers' perceptions about the value of hiring older workers and the strengths that they may have when it comes to stability and experience. Part of the challenge is just getting employers to rethink their view of older workers, right? How do we get employers to realize that older workers have a lot to offer? I mean, and, and, and they do say, you know, they value their experience. And, and, and yet, when push comes to shove, they're not that eager to hire older folks. So can we sort of change the way employers view older people? And Peter says this is an issue that everybody, younger and middle-aged workers included, should care about. This is not a zero sum between young and old. It is people need to know about what's going on in the end of the economy I'm now writing about because this notion that, oh, well, if I get out there and I, don't have, I haven't saved enough, you know, I can just keep working is not the way the world works now. As always, we'll close with some key takeaways. One, there's been a big change happening in our labor market over the past quarter century. Research shows that people are now working longer and later in life. Those aged 55 and older, and particularly those aged 62 and older, are working much more than they did 25 years ago. Two, at the same time as the labor supply among older workers has increased, they're also being pushed out of quality jobs. Rich and Peter found more than half of older workers are forced to leave their full-time jobs before they choose to retire. And just one in 10 of these workers ever bounces back to make the same salary they earned before. And three, age discrimination by employers is not legal, but as the law stands now, it's very hard to prove. Policies that provide more training for older workers, plus expanding the social safety net, could make it easier for older workers who have suffered big financial losses and are struggling to recover. So that's our show. Thanks again to Rich Johnson and Peter Gosselin. You can find more about their work in the show notes on our webpage, www.urban.org slash critical value. 
If you are enjoying Critical Value, please tell your friends or grab their cell phones when they're not looking and hit subscribe for the show. We love getting connected to other smart, policy-minded folks out there, whether they know it or not. And we would love if you could take a few seconds to rate the podcast on iTunes. It makes a big difference for people finding the show. Big thanks to our producer, Katie Smith, and sound editor, Riley Byrne, from podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. Our theme music is by Moby. For everyone on the Critical Value team, this is Justin Milner signing off. <laughs>